Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. You know, I think May Long Weekend is more anticipated and longed for and looked forward to than any other long weekend in the entire year. All through those days, the days that we've come through of the late winter and we wait with expectancy for these days, watching, you know, things like back in March, when will the geese return and when the geese return and we say, well, spring is just around the corner and uh, we watch and we wait and, you know, we get that snap, that cold snap and uh, the snowfall, and we're just longing. We're longing for the grass greening up, for the leaves popping out, for uh, the beautiful flower of spring, the dandelion, right? Well, these past 14 months of lockdowns, I think, have tried everybody's patience waiting for the next announcement, watching for the next phase that will open up more opportunities to get back to normal living again. So we watch and we wait. We watch and we wait. In the Bible, there's a parable taught by Jesus. A parable, of course, is a simple story that tells moral and spiritual truths. And that parable I want to look at this morning is the parable of the watchful servants. Jesus teaches his disciples and followers the way to watch and the way to wait. He teaches them this in regard, uh, in, in regard to his return. The parable implies that, that they will be waiting for his return. And history of the Christian church has been waiting 2,000 years, and we're required to wait. Jesus teaches us to wait, and in this parable, he teaches us how to watch and wait. Let me read it for you this morning, Luke 12, 35 to 43. <clears throat> Be dressed ready for service. Keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. 
Jesus encouraging his disciples the way to watch and to wait. Quite different than our culture today, I think. Quite different than our media-driven culture. Jesus is teaching not so much about physical observation, uh, such as, you know, we get caught up in the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, But we, and we try to determine maybe how close the Lord's return really is, trying to put it together with the, the news headlines and trying to determine. But it's not about that. What Jesus is teaching us here is about readiness. The word watch in this scripture is the most basic meaning is this, to be sleepless, to be sleepless. And the, way, the word wait is to expect. So I'd like to propose to you this morning, every Christian should come to realize that the way to watch and wait is to be ready. Not to be ready in the sense of trying to make a prediction of the time he will come, but choosing to be ready at all times. To choose to be ready any time. So I have three pairings of words that describe, I believe, what it means to be ready at all times. The first pairing is this, awake and prepared, and be prepared. And it comes from verse 35 and 36. Now, awake, what does that mean? It means to be awake, of course. Among other things, it's aware, it's attentive, it's mindful, informed, it's wise. It means all those things. You know, you could ask your little ones, or I would ask my grandkids, what does it mean to be awake? And they would come up with this very profound answer. And that is, not sleeping, Papa. (laughs) Well, if you are sleeping, you can't be aware, attentive, or mindful, can you? You know, I'm a light sleeper, except when I'm not. Have you ever had a time, you know, of sudden awakeness, um... And you wake up and you say, well, where, I, where am I? What's happening? Maybe somebody's knocked on the door or some phone call has come or a neighbor's making a lot of noise outside. And, you know, who am I? Where am I? What am I doing? But we are watching and waiting. And these, these uh, servants were watching and waiting for the late return of their master. It says in the... Wee hours of the morning. It says in the second and third watch, which was the Jewish Hebrew time, midnight to 3 a.m., 3 a.m. till dawn, till sunrise. You see, the way to wait and watch is to be awake and be prepared, to be ready. And I believe there's three characteristics of readiness in these verses. Number one, preparation. Jesus tells his disciples to be ready for service. In fact, the word there in the original language, the line there is, have your loins girded about you. The idea was this. Back then, they would wear long robes. And, uh, and they would prepare themselves for work by tying those robes up around their waists. Out of the way so they could work. They wouldn't trip. They wouldn't get in their way. It wouldn't be clumsy at all. 
Now, Apostle Paul writes this, Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. In these days of watching and waiting, we keep working. Keep working is what they're doing in this parable of the servants. Stay awake and prepared. And it's not about this. It's not about, well, I'm going to prove my Christianity because you don't have to prove your Christianity. Uh, You don't have to prove your merit before God. Our standing is in Jesus. He is the reason that we are here, that we uh, are able to stand before God. So continue to work in fear and trembling. What does that mean? It means to go out, all out, and complete his purpose. The two words put together, fear and trembling, reverence for God, and, and a good anxiousness to go all out. For God is working in you. Do you believe that God is working in you this morning? I know he is. I hope he is. I hope you're open to that. And you know, you can say, well, that's awesome, isn't it? Isn't it awesome? We surrender to him. He does the work. But you know, I don't use that word awesome lightly because you know, that word awesome has been used so lightly for about the last two decades. But God is awesome. God is awesome. He works in us by the Holy Spirit for his good purpose. These servants had a faithful master who was returning at any time, and they were going to be prepared. Peter, a disciple, who was actually there when Jesus taught this parable, writes this in his book, 1 Peter, and it's verse 13, one, um, one, first chapter, verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Hold on there a minute. That term, alert and fully sober, it translates like this in the original language. Gird up your loins of your mind. Be sober. That's the same phrase that Paul used. That's the same phrase that told them to get their garments up out of the way and walk, and work, and don't stumble, and be ready. Observe your ways. Don't get lost in life flying by you. Now, here's the interesting thing. You know, when life flies by us, and we don't uh, prepare so much, we can you know, go through a day, and we can think of a decision we made that day, and we think, what was I thinking? Imagine all of you out there have said that. What was I thinking on that decision uh, that didn't work in the business, in the relationships, in parenting, in finance, in so many things? But here's the thing we do when we're sober and, uh, and in mind and sober in thought and ready and prepared. This is what we do. We say, what am I thinking as we move along through life? We think and we get up in a sense above our lives and we look and we say, what am I thinking? Where am I going? What it says here uh, is to be prepared, preparation. The second characteristic is maintenance. Keep your lamps burning, verse 35. This is another characteristic. 
Jesus uses the imagery of light here. Of course he would use the imagery of light, wouldn't he? Because he is the light of the world. You know, there was very little light back then. It was day and it was night. You know, we take it for granted, lights on, you know. Uh, there's cities that lights on, you know, they, they, never, they never shut their lights off. You know, there's people, there's work going on, there's shifts, whatever. The light keeps going. But in this age, there was no street lights. There was no lights at all. There was no porch lights to welcome the master back, to help him find his way so to speak, up the sidewalk. There was no security lights that would flash on at the first movement so that it would light his way. But they were to keep their lights on. They were to keep their candles burning all the time. Now, it's interesting because we have beautiful candles. You probably have some beautiful candles in your house. If you come here on Christmas Eve services, you'll find this place full of candles. The candles weren't so, I guess, beautiful then. They were very crude. They were a pottery bowl uh, with a spout, kind of, like, kind of like a teapot, if you're like tea. Uh, a little bit like a teapot. They held a flax wick in, in a perforated thing there. And the wick went down into the oil and uh, it floated. And you lit the olive oil. But it was tedious, the maintenance of that light. Can you imagine? It's not just flicking on a switch or, oh, my batteries are out. I guess I better put some batteries in my flashlight or turn on your iPhone or your cell phone and, you know, ah, I can see that now. How many of us have done that when we've got into a, a little problem needing some light to reach that screw underneath the car or whatever? But it wasn't like that back then. It's a readiness, talking here with the lamp, not knowing when he would return, but be prepared. Isn't it interesting? One other fact about this lamp that's really important to understand because we, you know, we don't have to tend those lamps like, we, like they did back then. But whose, whose oil was in the lamp? It was the master's oil in the lamp, wasn't it? That's a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the lamp, in our lamps that you can keep lit. The Holy Spirit provides that light in our hearts. So the Lord's return was no surprise, the, uh, the, the master coming back. Uh, well, yeah, it was a surprise, actually. Uh, and so keep the lamp lit, servant. Keep it lit. He might come anytime. Now, the third char characteristic under the, the awake and prepared uh, pairing of words is expectation like servants waiting for their master. There in verse 36, servants who are expecting and looking, devoted servants, eager servants, waiting for their master. There was no doubt in their minds, only expectation, readiness, ready at any time. There was no scheduled arrival. You know, there was no, uh, you know, phoning from outside the wall of the city and saying, well, we'll be there in 10 minutes. Uh, when he returns from the wedding feast, when he knocks, they can completely and immediately open the door for him. There was no locks to be opened. There was no bolt to slide over. There was no alarm to shut off. There was no peephole 
to look through to see if it was actually him. They were absolutely ready for his arrival anytime. Let me tell you a story. When I was a kid, living in what is now known as West Kelowna, my grandparents would visit every summer. Granny and Grandpa Lewis. Walt and Mabel. Good names, right? I, I never called them that. Oh, horrors if I did. I don't think I knew their first names back then anyway. I was only like five, six years old. But they would take a bus, a uh, Canadian coachways bus, from Athabasca to Edmonton. Um, Athabasca was where I was born. So I'm an Albertan. I know you think I'm transferred from BC here. I'm an Albertan. But anyway, from Edmonton, they would take the train, the CN, through Jasper to Kelowna, actually to Kamloops. And, uh, and they'd come for a visit. And that visit, you know, it was the highlight of my summer, every summer, you know, for a, a number of years. You know, for a young guy, six years old, five years old, uh, Kelowna was like a world away from Athabasca and my beloved grandparents. It was like, I mean, it seems nothing to maybe drive there now. But, um, you know, it was something to have them come. The expectation of them coming to our place for two weeks in the summer, the highlight of summer. But you know what? Inevitably, there would always be some sort of delay. Usually it was this. The train through the Rockies would run late. It would be delayed. It would go into a siding so a freight train could go the other way. Whatever it was that delayed it. And my grandparents would be stuck in Kamloops waiting for their connection to Kelowna. And I still remember the disappointment of hearing my mom say, Granny and Grandpa will be in late tonight when you're asleep. Disappointment, you bet. But this is it. They would be there the next day. They would be there tomorrow. Maybe we'd have breakfast or lunch and they would be there. Such expectation of a young boy who loved his grandparents. The second pairing of words that describe what it means to be ready at all times are the words assured and confident from verses 37 and 38. Jesus is teaching his disciples and followers that the way to watch and wait is to be assured and confident because of a promised blessing. We are living in the time of a promised blessing. And the servants were waiting in this parable for the promised blessing of the master. It says here, notice these lines, it will be good, said twice in, in these verses. It will be good for those servants who mas whose master finds them watching, and it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. Between these two statements is an amazing statement that says, Jesus says, truly I tell you, he, the master, will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. What? We thought the servants were waiting on the master. Does this contradict what Jesus, Jesus is telling us about his return? But he's teaching his disciples this. First, that serving is an honorable job. 
And he's breaking up a dispute later on, and it's recorded in Luke 22, a dispute amongst his disciples. Uh, they're, they're disputing over position. What position they ought to sit at the table and what position of the, of the Last Supper, by the way, that they would be in God's kingdom. And Jesus said this to them, for whoever is greater, the one who is in, at the table or the one who serves, is it not the one who is at the table, but I am among you, but I am among you as one who serves. Jesus teaches that leading is a form of serving, <clears throat> not a contradiction to serving. He taught this in Mark 10. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve in his first coming, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. But that did not end his serving. In fact, he is our priest. The Bible talks about, well, theologians call it his present session right now. And we're waking, waiting for the blessed hope. He is in his present session. He has all authority, preparing a place in heaven. He is our advocate, that's lawyer. And when Satan accuses us, he prays and intercedes on our behalf. He intercedes for you in those tough troubles that you may be stuck in. Then he says, in, in the, also further in, in this, about Jesus' servants will no longer longer be servants, but friends. We must understand this. Uh, in John 15, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you, except the time of his coming, which he does not know the time of his coming. God knows the time of his coming, the Bible says. Jesus taught his disciples and followers the way to watch and wait is with assurance and confidence for when the master comes back. Even if it is delayed into the wee, wee hours of the morning, if they are ready, he will be pleased and he will serve them. We can remain hopeful on the basis of this, his faithfulness. This is not about us, but the faithfulness of the Lord. When he comes, he comes to those who are ready with great blessings. So remain ready. Tozer, A.W. Tozer, was a great preacher back in around the 1950s, 60s. He said this, and what a statement. Let us be alert to the season in which we are living. It is the season of the blessed hope calling for us to cut our ties with the world and build ourselves on this one who will soon appear. He is our hope, a blessed hope, enabling us to rise above our times and fix our gaze upon him. What a statement. What a statement for us today, to rise above our times and fix our gaze upon him. It's a relational thing, isn't it? And that's what gives us assuredness 
and confidence. Third and final pairing of words that describe what it means to be ready at all times are these words, aligned and genuine. Found in verses 39, the whole idea in 39 to 43. Jesus teaches his disciples and followers using a different picture here. He has a mini parable within the parable of the watchful servants. And he moves in this parable from the, the image of master-servant to owner-thief. Well, what is this about? The owner-thief image is a warning. It's a caution sign. It's a sign on the, like on the side of the road. In the, in the second part, Jesus comes as a thief who is not welcomed and whose arrival brings trouble and loss. In the second coming, I'm sorry. In the first picture, the master owns the house. In the second picture, the owner owns the house. Who do you belong to? There are verses of Scripture that use the term as a thief in the night. Many verses throughout the Bible. And here's the thing. For sure, if you knew when a thief was coming, you would be prepared, wouldn't you? You would. And you'd stop the guy from breaking in and ripping you off. For sure you would. You'd phone the police or you'd do something like that. But as we know, robbers don't advertise when they will show up and break in unless you've seen some of those videos of, you know, the craziest robbers. They show some of those. Uh, But this is a picture as a thief in the night, unannounced, sudden, without warning, at an unexpected time. In our day and age, you know, we have electronic monitoring devices, we have motion detectors, we have sensors that turn on lights and alarms, but in ancient days, somebody had to stay up and watch. The way to watch and wait, readiness, vigilance. In fact, in the Old Testament, it says watchmen on the walls of the, there were watchmen on the walls of the city to warn of imposing danger. Aligned means this. It's to be in agreement with what Jesus was sharing with his disciples. Lord, you're returning someday. We can't determine that day. We can't predict that day. We can't figure out that day. We can't line it up with the news stories necessarily. We can't be ready for an exact day. We can be ready at all times, anytime, with vigilance. And you know, this is not just mental assent. You know, okay, I got that doctrine good. It's in my mind. But this is a work that takes place in our hearts. We believe it. We live it out in our daily lives. Pastor Nelson just finished a tremendous series called Choose Life. Six weeks of it. Do you remember? Of course you do. You remember one of the the, the major themes throughout that was the limit line. On that limit line that he drew, wrote out on the whiteboard, there was the comfort zone that we can live in by not going beyond our artificial limits, or that we can live out beyond. Not comfortable, but ready. Ready is not always comfortable. Because we must align our lifestyle to our, uh, to our love and our service to our master, with our master. Jesus Christ, as the earlier 
in the earlier part of this parable is, is teaching this, to be ready. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I like the, uh, another version, uh, CEB version, says this, More than anything, guard your mind, for life flows out from it. Guard your will, guard your emotions, guard those things. It's, the work is from the inside out. It's not from the outside. It's not like the culture tries to tell us, well, how do I look today? How did I look in that experience? You know, what was I, what was I, what was I, you know, kind of projecting out there? No, it starts from the inside out, not from the outside. So it goes on here, and Peter asked Jesus a question, Lord, are you telling the parable to us or to everyone? And you know, Jesus doesn't give him a direct answer. As he often did. He often didn't give a direct answer. In fact, he answers his question with a question. And the question is this. Who is the wise and faithful manager that takes care of things when the master's gone? Takes care of what he has been given in charge of takes care of those things. You know, this entire chapter of Luke 12 has to do with stewardship. That means management. Jesus is first talking to his disciples who he handpicked to begin and manage the early church. And he tells them, of course, at the end, it's recorded in the Bible, he tells them, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I have commanded you. I am always with you to the very end of the age. Till I return. He's also talking to every Christian. What does it mean to be ready? It means to be aligned. But it also means to be genuine. Aligned, remember, bring into agreement. Genuine, authentic, real sincere, descended from the original, genuine. The way to watch and wait is all about readiness, to be ready at all times, awake and prepared, our minds alert and sober, assured and confident. His faithfulness gives us that. We, our hope is in him. We live for that hope one day. That blessed hope. And we fix our eyes on him, not on our circumstances. Aligned and genuine, we push through our comfort zones. Past our artificial limits to fulfill God's purposes that he has for us. We live. We work. We witness, his, witness of his love and truth to a world that is not ready. C.S. Lewis, probably the greatest theologian of the 20, 20th century, put it this way. Precisely because we cannot predict the, the moment, we must be ready at all moments. We're going to go to prayer here in a minute, but I want to talk to you out there who are watching
you have been watching this morning and you say, I'm not ready if Jesus was to return. I'm not sure. Maybe you've never known the Lord as your personal Savior. Jesus says, for as many as received him, to them he gave the power or the right to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. Before you receive him in his second coming, you must receive him by his spirit into your life and ask him to come in by surrendering your life to come in to your life and to forgive you. And if you've never received him, ask him to be your Lord and Savior. We're going to take a minute. You can pray this prayer with me. Borrow it and pray it in the quietness of your own home. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive my sin. I want to follow and serve you all the days of my life. Amen. Now, Christian, let me pray for you. These are trying times, but we have that blessed hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know one way or the other we will meet you. Either we will die and meet you in heaven, or you will return for us. May we be like those faithful servants that waited for the return of their master, awake and ready, with their lamps lit. That we might open the door and welcome you, so to speak. May our wait be fruitful. May we tell others, our friends, our co-workers, our families, of the hope we have. That they're is good news and they can live for Jesus here and now in this present trying time. Because God is in control and Jesus is coming again. Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.